What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Spark Talk. And today we get to recap week one of the NFL season, or at least the Sunday games of the NFL, or Sunday and Monday games of the NFL season, because we've already recapped Thursday night football. And if you haven't checked that out, make sure to go check out that recap as well of that very, very fun game between the Lions and the Chiefs. But today, We'll get started with the 1 o'clock games. And the first game that is up here is the Bengals at the Browns. And for me, the conditions were terrible in this game. Uh, both teams had the play in them, so that's not really an excuse for either team, the way they played. Both teams had the play in these conditions. And obviously, the Browns are better built for the for or for this type of game than the Bengals are. And for me, the last time the Bengals won, which I think is pretty funny, the last time they won a football game was the divisional round of the playoffs last year, or last season I should or I should say, against the Bills in a snowstorm. And then their first game of this season is in a rainstorm against the Browns, and they play awful. It was kind of a reverse of the situation uh, in the games. But for me, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the Browns are built for these type of games. Their run game is absolutely phenomenal. And Nick Chubb did what he needed to do in this game. Jerome Ford played very solid. He did, he did okay for my fantasy. He got me... He probably could get me around like five, six points uh, Sunday, but he fumbled on top of on top of what he did. So uh, it kind of got me what three points or something like that this week. But I thought he played very. I thought he played very solid as a rotational back to Nick Chubb. But Nick Chubb played absolutely phenomenal. Almost six yards of carry on eighteen carries in that type of uh, storm. And then Deshaun Watson, I thought played okay. Okay, and it was weird because if you look at Joe Burrow's throws, you know, it kind of looked like the the uh, the weather and the conditions were kind of impacting the way he was throwing the football. It kind of looked like it slipped out of his hand a couple of times. He had to wear a glove at some point in the game. But for Deshaun Watson, it just it looks like some of the same throwing mechanical issues that he had last year where the ball just dies on him or not necessarily dies, but it, the trajectory of the ball just like nose dives into the ground. And I think more so it was Deshaun Watson's throwing mechanics in motion that kind of was the reason he didn't really play well in this game or play up to par, in my opinion. I think he played very below average in this game. And for me, I think it like he needs to, I don't know, he just needs to like make sure he's throwing a little bit up, put a little bit more air under the ball. Instead of trying to rock it in or bullet, like bullet the pass to his receiver every time, just like try to put some air underneath the ball and not let it like just nose dive to the ground every time you throw it. It's just kind of annoying to watch him throw. Uh, so I kind of uh, lingering on that a little bit. It's just it, when I was watching this game, it was just very annoying watching him just throw and the ball just nose dive when he has a wide open Amari Cooper for a first down. It was very frustrating. Uh, the defense for the Browns was flying all over the field. This was a very, very fun defense 
to watch in this type of game. They were all over the field. It was very fun. This defense spent a lot of draft picks. They spent a lot of money on the defensive side. Miles Garrett, uh, top three edge rusher in the NFL. You have Denzel Ward, uh, Grant Delpit, blanking on some of the other guys in that secondary at the moment. But they have a very, very good defense and a very fun defense on top of that. And then you look on the offensive side, and they got weapons all over the offensive side. It really just comes down to Deshaun Watson. Kevin Stefanski was scheming up a lot of good stuff. Uh, Deshaun Watson wasn't necessarily hitting it, but you know you want to see him in a cleaner condition game going into the next week. I think they're playing on Monday Night Football against the Steelers, so you want to see how he performs in that type of uh, environment, uh, a more traditional environment. But for the Bengals, you know, I just it's just one of those games you got to throw away. It's like. It was just one of those like very terrible condition games. Like if you even look like last look at last year, I know Trey Lance started the week one game for the 49ers, but they lost to the Bears in a tsunami. So like the just that type of you know scenario. The Browns are a little bit better of a team than what the Bears were last year. Bears were the number one pick pick last year, so worst team in the league. So it's just one of those things where I think it's just one of the like you just gotta throw it out. You have to throw out this game and just be like, all right, this was, not, this was not our best football. I think Joe Burrow, I think he's still a little bit banged up. I wouldn't be surprised if they sat him next week. I, I don't see any reports seeing that may, may be the case. Um, I could try to look it up here. But for me, I just don't – like, he just looked – he didn't look like his normal self. Like, uh, it just looked like he – like was still, I think he was playing a little bit cautious. I I don't think he wanted to, like, further injure it. And then obviously we'll get into the Monday night game later. But for me, uh, like going, like kind of looking at that, and then even the Kevin Durant injury a couple years ago with the Golden State Warriors, when you have like a calf strain like that, it is so easy when you're a high level athlete for that just to pop and turn into an Achilles tear. So just th- those type of things where you're just kind of worrying about, like, is he giving it 100% or can he give it 100% day in and day out? And I don't know. And this team also looked like a team that was missing their quarterback for all of camp and all of preseason, too. So for me, it's more like how are the Bengals going to mitigate a bad start again? Like they did last year, they did a good job of mid- mitigating it and kind of getting back on track and winning the AFC North again. So for me, how can they mitigate it? And like uh, my full season predictions are on YouTube. If you want to go check that out, it's Spark Talk on YouTube. But uh, Cincinnati, I had Cincinnati losing in the wild card. Kind of a spoiler alert, alert there. Uh, kind of spoiled it before I uh, said spoiler alert. But like for me, it's just one of those things where like, I think a bad start this year could actually hurt their chances at a Super Bowl run again because of, like, maybe a really bad matchup they get in the first round of the playoffs. So, all in all, a great win by the Browns and a very, like, it's not a concerning loss just yet. We'll see them in an, a traditional, like, condition game before I can say, like, this is a little bit worrying. But one thing I am worried about is, is Joe Burrow going to be able to give it 100% uh, or are they going to have to maybe put in a put in a backup quarterback for a week or two and see what happens here? 
So let's move on. And like, I kind of wanted to round out because uh, usually we kind of like uh, hit the games that we watched over the week and all that where, you know, uh, I was kind of wanted to round out some of the one o'clock games because it is week one and all that. So I watched the highlights of some of these games, the Colts in the Jaguars game. I mainly watched that one at one o'clock. I was flipping back for or flipping back and forth between that and the Browns game. But I watched the highlights of some of the other games on top of that. So just to give you off some context of like my viewing. So uh, a viewing experience with these games this week. But uh, the Colts and the Jaguars, Anthony Richardson looked really good in the game. I wished the Colts offense would have opened it up. I wish Shane Steichen would open up the offense, let him take some shots. Because once they started getting down and he was playing a little more freely in the offense and they were they were trying to get downfield and trying to get some chunk plays in there. They looked a little bit, they looked a lot better on the offensive end. I just think they were so condensed and what they were trying to do. It just didn't, uh, I think Jacksonville just like, we're like starting getting to like, Oh, we, we know what they're doing. We can play up a little bit, I'm not taking any shots this game. And I don't think they really did take a shot unless it was maybe Anthony Richardson making a play somewhere, but Anthony Richardson looked really good. He looked really good. Obviously, there's stuff he needs to clean up on. There's a lot of one read plays, two uh, one side of the field reads, and all that. So obviously, going through progressions, something he needs to work on in the NFL. But I thought he did really good in this game. I thought he did really good. Uh, on top of that, the uh, the Jaguars I thought played very good. People forget that this Colts defense, except for last year with all the injuries they had was consistently a top 10 defense, I think, from, like, what, 20, maybe 2018, but 2019 for sure to 2021, and that was, like, under Eberflus. So this defense is really good. Gus Bradley is a great defense coordinator, and we got to see this Colts defense, and, like, it's kind of, like, true form, like, it being a top 10 defense in the NFL, and they showed up. In this game, obviously, if a rookie quarterback back there making his first start, he's not going to do always, you know, convert on those turnovers. But I thought they played very well against a very high-powered offense. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I thought, played very well. He made some of those Trevor Lawrence-type mistakes in that in this game. But you know, his connection with uh, Calvin Ridley is going to be very key going into the year. You kind of want to see him open up to a little bit more people throughout the game because uh, I think once they started keying in on Calvin Ridley, I think the Jaguars offense started to slow down a little bit. And then it kind of opened up when he started hitting Zay Jones for a couple of plays and getting more people involved in the offense. So I think uh, just Doug Peterson and them just kind of get more people involved, not necessarily getting Calvin Ridley 10 touches a game. Like let's, let's try to open it up. Let's try to scheme around him being such a great player and maybe getting other players open because they're so dialed in on him. So uh, I, li- I like the Jaguars a lot this year. I think they're going to be very good. They're going to be a fun team to watch. And Trevor Lawrence is a very rootable player. So it's very hard not to – or it's very hard to root against the Jaguars at this stage uh, at the moment. But also I wanted to tack in, like, good wins by Baker, Derek Carr, and Desmond Ritter. I thought they were all good wins for them. Desmond Ritter, uh, if you look at a stat line, it wasn't like – eye-popping by any means. I think he had, let me see here real quick. He had like under, was it, uh, yeah, he had 115. I was like, it's not it's not under 100. He had under 100 for the longest time in this game. 
and let me see here. Yeah, I got my mic muted. I'm looking at ESPN stats here. I don't want to add plan in the podcast. So, yeah, they like six or was it? He was 15 to 18, 115 yards. Like he played very, I think, very good for what he was given in the game. And just for me, I think they probably they need to open up a little bit more passing and all that. But Bijan Robinson looked amazing in this game. Um, and then go to like. Bryce Young, Bryce Young made some rookie mistakes. I thought he looked very, very good for a first-year quarterback, uh, for first-start quarterback, his debut in the league. I thought he played very, very well. He made some rookie mistakes. The two interceptions were not good. They were kind of they were rookie throws, uh, throws that you make in college, but you don't make in the NFL. And then Baker, like game-winning drive. For the Buccaneers, that team's gonna be fun to watch. I think I would keep an eye out for them as like a wild card type of team. Baker, you know, pairing him up with like great receiving unit, very good offensive line, a run game that obviously I think it could be a little bit better, but a defense that is top ten in the league. So why not the why can't the Buccaneers do something good? It's because I think people hate on Baker Mayfield a lot. He had a, he had a very good game against the Vikings and uh, Vikings. Kind of expected that from uh, I think the Vikings are going to be solid. I think it'll be okay. I don't think they're going to be terrible by any means, but I just think they're going to take a little bit of a step back this year. They had too many one-score wins last year, so that's going to kind of balance out this year like it did. Lost a one-score game. Uh, like Immediately lost a one-score game week one this year, so I think it's going to balance out for them. And then Derek Carr led his team to a win against a very well-coached Titans team. So NFC South had three winners in that division. I think the most by any division in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. I can kind of check it here real quick. So, yeah, yeah, NFC South or NFC East had it as well. But NFC South, uh, the division that people were like, this is the worst division ever. Uh, they have they're, – they're, the, they're tied with the most amount of wins through week one. So, Good, good job by the NFC South teams. So we'll move on to the 4 o'clock games here, and we'll get it started here with my Bears. And let me get a drink here before I get into this uh, atrocious game. It was, this was terrible. Yeah, but this, uh, man, this game was, oh, man, it's a, what a way to open the season. What, <laughs> what a way to open the season in a new quote-unquote era of Bears and Packers football. Uh, this was terrible. This was terrible. Uh, one thing I want to say is, is Matt LaFleur thoroughly outcoached Matt Eberflus in this game. This was just not a good game all around. And you want to blame it on the offensive game plan. I would more so blame it on the offensive game plan if you listen to Justin Fields after the game and all that. They were talking about how the uh, horizontal game was supposed to be the game plan, but like, also, I blame that on Justin Fields, too, because great quarterbacks know when, you know, maybe their offense coordinators just having an off week and, like, this game plan is – this sucks. We need to change it up. And so he's going to change it mid-game. He's like, no, we need to get more vertical down the field. Like, great quarterbacks do that. Aaron Rodgers, that's what happened with him and Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, we'll get into that here in a second, but – Aaron Rodgers was changing stuff, and he was like, this game plan isn't working. I need to change it at the line of scrimmage. Stuff like that is what makes great quarterbacks. Is when they're like, 
my OC is not having the best week. We can change it up, and we can kind of go and do a different game plan if this isn't working early on. And for the Bears, they just could not get anything. It was just a, I think, just a very bad game plan going into this game. A lot of runs, a team that looked like they didn't have any energy after that uh, very long screen pass to Aaron Jones that ended up in a touchdown afterwards. And for like Jordan Love on that end, I thought he looked, I thought he looked solid. I I would give him a B grade uh, for his like play. I don't think it was like over the top like uh, some people would put like uh, I don't know who put on. Some analyst on ESPN was like, he's the, uh, or was it the Pat Mac? I don't know, maybe been Pat McAfee show. Like he's uh, like he's the next great uh, Packers or quarterback. I'm like, let's see how he does here. Like he had, uh, he missed a lot of throws in this game. He missed a lot of throws in this game. Uh, but on top of that, he hit the stuff. He hit the stuff that he needed to hit. He hit the screen pass. He hit. Aaron Jones on that Texas route, perfect. He hit Dobbs on that touchdown on the first drive of the game. So he had these really good flash moments, and then you just had him missing open receivers uh, in like the and like deep balls and all that. Where like if this was Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers prime and uh, or Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago, this game is probably like a fifty nine to twenty one or whatever for the Packers. So. So for me, I just think like he, there's stuff he can improve on. I think his accuracy needs to improve. Uh, his, inter, his his intermediate passing is really good. His accuracy is really good, and I think we're starting to see that a lot throughout the league. Where like in between the hashes, in between the numbers, quarterbacks are getting very accurate with their passes. I just think it's more like with the way the offenses are schemed and game planned and all that nowadays. But now we are starting to see like I feel like young quarterbacks. Not having the best deep ball accuracy, you know, not not being able to judge the receiver's speed, not being able to figure out who the receiver is, so stuff like that. I just think it's, you know, one of those things he he has to work on throughout, uh, you know, obviously throughout the season and all that. But I thought he looked solid. I thought he looked solid. I think it was more of the game plan with Matt Lafleur. So I'm I'm eager to see how he faces a better defense and a defense that or a team in general that just didn't look like they were ready to play on Sunday with the Bears. And I could go on and on about the Bears in this game. But, you know, for me, the Packers, I, I feel like they still look around like maybe 8-9, to 8-9 to 10-7-ish. and seven-ish. So something around there, I think they're going to be fighting them for that last playoff spot. They're going to be in that mix. So I still think that. And maybe they can work their way up throughout the throughout the course of the season. But for the Bears... This was just terrible. This was a terrible game. It was, I could, I could go on. Like I said, it just was not the best performance. And you, just, it's one of those games. Like I want to mention this a couple more times this week, uh, this week, but in this podcast, this is a game that you just have to scrap and say this was terrible. Let's change what we are trying to do. And for Getsy, he did this last year. He got off to a super slow start with the whatever he was game planning. And after that Patriot or during that Patriots Monday night football game last year is when he started opening up the offense. Get Justin Fields. I don't think they had a design run with Justin Fields in the game on Sunday. Get him moving in the run game. 
and make him a threat in the run game, and that will open up your passing. That's what happened last year. And it's just it's one of those things that is like it, he's going to the Cam Newton effect. When Cam Newton, when everybody, when he was getting injured after the Super Bowl loss, he was like, I'm going to be a pocket passer. You're not a pocket passer. You're not. No, you're, you're really good at running the football. And the pass, and it opens up your passing game. You got to play to your strengths in the NFL. And if you don't do that, then your your team's going to suffer, and you're going to suffer. Like it's just it's just one of those things. And like I know you want to avoid injuries, but sometimes you got to put your big boy pants on and just be like, I'm going to get banged up at some point. I need to win these games and all that. So you know, like it's and. There's rules in the league that protect quarterbacks. A quarterback can slide and barely get touched, and it's a it's a 15 yard penalty. So, like he should be able to run, and they should be able to design stuff to do that. Even if it's on the coaching end, we're like we don't want you to run. The coaches need to do that. Like need to be able to do that on top of that. So it's just stop playing safe and start playing more aggressive. Is what I want to see from from my Bears. But I'm going to move on from this game and move on to the Chargers. At Miami, and what a game this was! An exciting, explosive offensive game. This was, I think, everything we wanted to see see from this game. Tua and Justin, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, they played great. They played great. Justin Herbert is still is still that guy. I get, I don't know, every week one with him, I get a little bit worried. I'm like, are we going to see a regression from him? But we don't. We we he this. I think the couple more offense really fits what they're doing. And then on top of that, you got Mike McDaniels, who is just absolutely phenomenal. And I think Tyree Kill is still trying to make a case to be MVP. And I think it could be likely if, like, this is an indicator of how his season is going to go, where he's going to get multiple 200-yard games, like eight 150-yard games. That may be unrealistic, but, like, stuff like that. And he gets close to 2,000 or even gets over 2,000 yards receiving, plus, like, 15 touchdowns. I think we could really have a option here for Tyreek Hill as like an MVP candidate. I really do. Um, I really do, especially with the way the quarterback situation is in the NFL. Where, like for me, it really hasn't been a quarterback that that really stepped up this week and be like I'm the MVP at all. Pat Mahomes, you know, if you uh, go listen to the preview, I thought he played good, but you know, receivers kind of laid down in that game. Um, against some of the, I'll get into the other quarterback games here, but it wasn't like that guy that just stood out. So this may be a year that Tyree Kill could still an MVP at a skill position, uh, spot here. But as, it's funny too when I was watching the um, highlights of this game and kind of looking at the stats and kind of seeing like the play by play and all that. It's just interesting that the J.C. Jackson play at the end of the first half where they gave up three. Three free points off one of the stupidest PI calls I've ever seen in my life. Like, there was no reason for him to push uh, whoever that was for the Dolphins. There was no reason to push him. And if he would have caught the ball, there was zero seconds left on the clock. The second half would have been over. You had, like, five other chargers around him. Like, what are you doing there? That was just that was just a dumb play. That was a dumb play. And essentially, like, if you take those three points off, it cost them the game. Uh, but obviously, football, a lot of stuff goes into it, and that one play is going to cost you the game. Like, the defense could have played better and not let up 36 points in general. So, like, 
Uh, it's just one of those things. But the Chargers are paying all this money on defense. And this is what irks me, too. Derwin James, Quill Mack, Joey Bosa, you name it, on that defense. They're paying somebody. J.C. Jackson, they're paying so much money on the defensive side just for them to not perform at an elite level and just to be an average defense. That's what's the most frustrating thing about the Chargers is their offense is there. Their defense needs to be above average, and they shouldn't even be above average. They should be playing at a top 10 level, and they have not been consistently, even with the amount of talent they have on the defensive end. But, um, so I had to get a drink there. Uh, but it was, it just, it, it, it irks me a little bit with the Chargers and how they, and how their defense is run. It's, uh, Brandon Staley, phenomenal defensive coordinator for the Rams. But you have to figure out something with this defense. It's just, it's, it's super frustrating. It is super, super frustrating. Uh, going to Miami though, Tua, he looked good, man. Tua looked like he was like, he was like, I'm getting tired of people putting me out of games when I don't need to be put out of games uh, and all that. Not saying last year, um, I think he probably – I forget what happened. I'm blanking on the scenario what happened with the playoffs. I feel like he could have played in that playoff game but decided not to play him or whatever. But I think Tua, you know, I was like, I, I'm going to be healthy this year. I am playing, and I will lead this team deep into the playoffs. I really like the way he played in this game. He's very decisive with his throws. We've seen that a lot last year with how Mike McDaniels wants his offense to be run, how how he wants his quarterback to be decisive throwing the football. And all in all, I think this was a you know bad showing really for the Chargers defense. And I really don't want Justin Herbert to end up like Derek Carr where he's putting up all these numbers. Just to have a bomb 10 defense or below average defense each year that is preventing him for, from making a playoff run on top of that. So it's just, uh, I'm, uh, it's one of those games where I, great offense, terrible defense, and it's going to, I think, continue with, with these two teams throughout the year where we're going to see very high scoring games in the games that they are. And, Maybe the occasional low game here and there, but both of these defenses need to step up, step up if they want to be at a championship level, in my opinion. But I think both of them are playoff teams. I think the Chargers are a little bit more of a fringe playoff team, and I think the Dolphins have a little bit more chance at making the playoffs. But this could have been a early season like playoff tiebreaker that the Dolphins won. So we'll see what happens there when, when once the end of the season comes near, but. We'll move on here to the next game is the Eagles at the Patriots, and I'll keep this one a little bit shorter than the other one, uh, uh, the uh, other two. But for the Patriots, they're really sure that they're going to be able to compete this year, and maybe they are going to be a little bit under five hundred, or they're going to be a little bit above five hundred at nine and eight. But they're going to be competing in every single game that they're in. And Mac Jones gave them a chance, or gave him a chance to win the game. I know he had the bad interception, uh, kind of threw it high. His receiver it hit his hands. It you know you can go either way with it. Hit his hands, slipped out. He got one back for a pick six. Kind of the difference in the game, and it was early on. But they're 
ability to be like, you know what, we're not fighting or we're going to fight back in this game. We're not going to give up. And we're down 16 in the first quarter. And after the first quarter, they only get with three field goals. So kind of put that into perspective. They only gave up three field goals after that first quarter. They shut down the reigning NFC champions, their offense, and everybody's been talking about this offense. They shut them down for three quarters. In reality, they only gave up, what, 18 points to the Eagles? Like, they, the defense did enough to win this game. The, uh, Matt Jones, I thought, played really solid. To me, he's always been a B, B-minus quarterback. Uh, I think he's very good at going through his progressions. I think he fits in what the Patriots are trying to do. I think the receiving core kind of hinders him from time to time. But I think he's, I think this team is a good team this year. I think it's, I think we're back to rookie Mac Jones and that team. And I think this team could be a playoff team this year with the way they played. The Eagles, I thought they looked very solid against them. They don't, to me, they did not look like, I know it was in a brainstorm. um, But I think they need to be able to put games away. And they didn't do that in this game. They had multiple chances to, and they didn't. Jalen Hurts fumbled. Almost cost them the game. There's stuff like that that you're just like, this team's not going to be in the Super Bowl this year. And I just I think they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover. I think this team's a playoff team for the Eagles, but I just don't think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl this year, maybe in next year. But I don't know. I just don't see this team making it to the Super Bowl this year. I think they're a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover and their inability to put a game – put games away late and barely hang on by a thread, I think it's going to cost them at some point in the season and late in the season. So good win by the Eagles. They held on. And I really like the showing here from the from New England, be, being able to fight and claw the way back into that game. So we'll kind of move on here. Kind of mentioned the other 4 o'clock games and kind of what I, uh, or some of the 4 o'clock games, not all of them, but some of them. But for me, let's get started with the Rams and the Seahawks. And I got kind of a lot of flack for it for playing the Rams as one of my contenders in my contenders video on YouTube. But the Rams, I just like Rams are back. Let's, let's say the Rams are back. Puka Nakua, a very good player. I was very high on him coming out of BYU. I don't think I had him in my like top 15 by any means. He's, he had a lot of injuries at BYU, kind of prevented me from moving him up into that range where I was going to talk about him on the podcast. But he's a very, very exciting player to watch, and he's somebody that is has all the like the route running, the catching, everything. I think he fits what the Rams are trying to do. I think he could be a very. I think there's a possibility he could be a Pro Bowl player if he. If he's able to be that number two guy for the Rams, I think he is going to be. Because you basically got two Cooper Cups in that style of play in your offense, and that's very hard to go against. If you just look at New England and like the second, uh, the back half of that uh, dynasty run with and like the late 2010s. <coughs> Sorry there for the cough there, but. You know, I, they just played really good. And for the Seahawks, I just for me, Geno was, you know, this team doesn't look like a playoff team to me. 
I think JL looks solid, but not enough to be a playoff contender. And the way they finished last year, like I know everybody's hyped up on Gino because he had a breakout year, but I think he's going to come down a little bit. And this team's going to be, I think, around like that seven and ten, like nine and eight record again. I just think that's where they're going to be at. Maybe even a little bit worse. Uh, the Rams are a lot better this year. The 49ers clearly are a lot better this year. I didn't mention that game because that game was just a blowout. It was just a terrible game. I didn't really want to go into that uh, because it was such a blowout. But uh, I just don't think the Seahawks are on par with some of these other teams um, that are playoff contenders, and that's just my opinion on that. But the Rams are back, and it just shows that you don't need to have very well-known players on your roster to compete at a high level. You don't need these flashy signings everywhere. You just need players that are, are that love football and are willing to compete each Sunday, and that's what they have. And that's what they need, and that's how you become a dynasty, a.k.a. the Patriots, is when you have players that love to compete each and every single Sunday. And the Rams get those players and have been getting those players. And so... I accidentally hit the uh, desk here. So the Broncos will go to that game and Raiders. Broncos defense looked really strong in the game. I uh, kind of made a little bit of a joke here, like the headhunters are back for Sean Payton. There were some, there were some cheap hits. I, I'm not going to lie. There were some cheap hits in that game. Like the one to Jacoby Myers at the end of the game, that was very, very cheap. Like he was clearly going down. He just kind of he put all his body weight into his head. And that was that was kind of a cheap shot there by Kareem Jackson. Um, <clears throat> but for me, I just don't think Russ uh, Russ isn't that guy. Uh, he's not. He's old. His uh, there was a couple of plays I seen where like he just like was trying to scramble out of the pocket, and he doesn't have that speed anymore that he used to, and got caught up and got sacked. So or got caught up and pressured and couldn't really do nothing. So it just. I just don't think the Broncos are going to be good this year. I think they're going to be competitive. I think their defense is going to keep them in games. But I just don't see them being a good uh, team, especially when they get off to a bad start like this, like losing in September at home where they're historically good at. When they start, when they lose, they're usually not going to have a good year, and I just don't see it, them having a playoff season this year. And the Raiders... I thought the Raiders look like a playoff team. They battled through adversity in that game, or, or in this week one game against the Broncos, and they came out and won. And Jimmy G did some Jimmy G stuff. I mean, he, he he plays like Jimmy G. What do you, what do you want me to say? He's he's Jimmy G. But uh, him being back with McDaniel's, I think this Raiders team is a playoff team. That defense looks very good. I know they're playing the Broncos, but the defense looks very good. And I think Jimmy G has some receivers he can throw to. This is going to be a very fun team to watch this year. They're going to be very competitive. They're going to be in games this year. And they're going to be a fun team. They're going to be a French playoff team. They're going to be a French playoff team. I want to see if they can make it, but the Raiders are going to be a very, very fun team to watch this year. So we'll move on here to the uh, Giants at Dallas Sunday Night Football. Sorry there if y'all heard me like slurping here in my dream. My mouth's getting, I don't know what's wrong with my, my mouth. is getting like really dry here. But we're going on with the Giants 
at uh, Dallas, or it was Dallas at the Giants. Yeah, it was at uh, MetLife. So, and I'll give this one a little bit short and sweet. This one's a blowout here, and then I'll get into the Monday Night Football game. But this is as, as bad of a start as you could have for the Giants. And if you kind of just like, it's one of those games too that like I mentioned, like just throw away the film. Just throw away the film. You can kind of just get it out of your head. This is a terrible game. Like 26 other point or or their first 26 points were off a turnover. Like their possession came from a turnover, or it was a field goal, or uh, obviously the block on special teams to to open the game up. The Giants' defense looked really good throughout. They only gave up, what, 20 points in the entire game? Like 14 the rest of the game in the second half. And at that point, they're probably, like, depleted because they're down tw- or 26 to nothing uh, going in the half. So, like, maybe they don't even let up 14 in a normal standard game like that. Maybe they let up even, like, maybe six points, maybe two field goals or something like that in a normal context of that game, instead of them just being blown out, maybe being a little bit depleted. So the Giants' defense looked really good, I thought, throughout the game. I thought they made some plays and all that. I, I thought they made some plays and had had an opportunity to maybe change the momentum of the game and crank some stops and all that. But for the Giants' offense, it was Daniel, Daniel Jones getting pressured constantly. Um... Uh, just bad mistakes by his wide receivers, not getting open, uh, just bad luck with Saquon Barkley getting hit and the ball popping up and getting pick six, just stuff like that. He was running for his life the whole night. Like, this loss has nothing to do with Daniel Jones. And Danny Dimes gets blamed a lot for a lot of things that isn't his fault. And he got sacked seven times Sunday night. Like, what else do you want him to do? He got pressured all night. That easily could have been around 15 sacks if it wasn't for his ability to escape the pocket and all that. So I just think this is one of those games where, like, are they going to play as bad as they did Sunday night? I don't think so. I think they can just scrap it, move on. And I thought they played solid enough to, if this was a, a if all that stuff didn't happen in that first uh, quarter and a half, I think this is a competitive game throughout it. Maybe Dallas still ends up winning by two scores, but, I think just it was just not a you know good game for the Giants, and it's just one of those games where just like nothing went their way. Like Tony Pollard fumbled, and it bounced directly to a Dallas player. So like it was just just one of those type of things for them. Uh, and then for da- and for Dallas, I keep this a little bit short and sweet. Mike McCarthy calling plays, I think is going to work out for this offense. It's a different scheme. It's a different play caller. There's gonna be different stuff. Uh, for Dak Prescott to do and this offense to do. So I like where Dallas is at. Their defense is still still legit, obviously. It is still legit. So I like what Dallas is going to do. They're going to be competitive this year. Obviously, the question is, can they get over the hump in the playoffs? We'll see. But way better st- what a great start for Dallas and for the Giants. We'll see what happens. We will see how they bounce back in week two. So we'll move on here to Monday Night Football. The Jets and the Bills, or the Bills at the Jets is what I'm going to say. I put the Jets first on my notes instead of the Bills. But, yeah, what a game. <laughs> what a game this was. I was about to 
lose my mind uh, on that return there. There's so much that happened in this game, but we're going to start off with the game-winning return and all that. What a great play by uh, Xavier Gibson, a very athletic guy that got, got passed up by everybody. Undrafted, he comes out and makes an amazing, memorable play. A lot of people are going to remember his name and remember that play for years. And it's crazy that he's an undrafted guy, was on the fringe of being cut, fumbled, I think, one of his returns in the, po in the preseason. And for that to happen, what a... What a crazy sequence of events here. Um, and it's just it's one of those things. And then ESPN, like I tweeted out on my personal account, but ESPN kind of just hating. It was a little bit weird. They kind of like, they sounded very depressed <laughs> that the Jets won this game. Um, they were like, he tripped him on the call. It wasn't a trip. Like, I know John Perry. I don't, I, John Perry is probably the worst ref analyst I've seen and like every time he says something I usually just throw it out the window I'm like I don't care what he has to say about a call at all like he like that was not a trip he went for a low block he missed him his leg just happened to be up and the dude tripped over it that's not a trip he did not intentionally try to trip him at all he didn't whip his leg or anything he just happened to Happened to hit his other leg when the dude tried to jump over him or tried to dodge his block. That's all that happened. That was not a uh, where a trip at all. That, I'm just going to say that it was not a trip at all. And they were in field goal range. Craig Zerline, Legatron would probably know that field goal anyway. But Aaron Rodgers getting injured, that sucks. But Zach Wilson, I thought, played very well for what he was given. Obviously, he's gonna, I think he's going to play a lot better. but. Coming into a game where you're not going to be the starting quarterback and having the having uh, Nathaniel Hackett kind of deal with and trying to kind of change up stuff as things go on, where like you're you're starting quarterbacks in the game, and this is a young rookie quarterback. It's like kind of the reverse of what your starting quarterback is. Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Famer, first ballot guy, Super Bowl champion, four-time MVP guy. Like, he knows what he's doing out there every single time he steps out there. Zach Wilson's still young, still learning. It's a different way of coaching him and calling plays. So I thought they did, both of them did a very good job of kind of adjusting to that throughout the game uh, on Monday. And, you know, for, like, uh, Wilson, being able to play with confidence, bouncing back from that interception where, uh, he had somebody open on, uh, they did like a crossing route. He had somebody open. He tried to throw it over the middle, kind of fit it in. He didn't. Just a young mistake, young player mistake there. But being able to bounce back and trust your receivers and trust your arm. And that's stuff that we didn't really see from him those first two years because either he either got really conservative with the way he played, he didn't play as aggressive when he made mistakes, or he would try to make up for that mistake, and then would create another mistake by trying to fit in another throw. And we didn't really see that with him throughout the game. We saw him, you know, make some very tight window throws, but there weren't, like, throws that were like, this is a bad, bad throw here. Um, and then for the Jets' defense, I'll say this. For the Jets' defense, uh, I think it was DJ Reed was, like, 
I think we could be as good as the 85 Bears. You know, if you want to be as good, well, I was, I was kind of th- thinking about this when they were down 13-6 to for like the longest time. I was thinking about this, like if you want to be as good as the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the 02 Bucks, the 13 Seahawks, if you want to be good as those teams or as the, those defenses, you are going to have to win games when stuff like this happens, when your starting quarterback gets injured like this. You're going to have to win games by yourself. <laughs> or at least put your quarterback in position to score field goals or score points and minimize the other team's opposition. Three interceptions or three turnovers in the second half, three interceptions, four fumbles in the game, or four fumbles, my three interceptions, one fumble, and then four forced turnovers in the game in general. And all of them came at big moments. All of them came at big moments. It was such a Great defensive performance, and the defense that had a lot of hype coming into it really showed that they are legit. And for the uh, trying to blink here for the Bills, we'll see what happens here. Uh, Diggs and Allen have not been on the same page, or Diggs is kind of whining. Um, I just I'm not a big fan of receivers or divas. Um, that's what, as honestly, what they are. They're just divas. I'm not the biggest fan of them, um, just because like they feel like they are entitled to a certain amount of targets or catches throughout the game, and they feel like they're more important than the team as a whole. And that's why Terrell Owens and um, never won a Super Bowl. That's why Randy Moss in his early days never won anything. So like when you get those type of players, like they all they care about is the stats. Antonio Brown. Like he didn't win one. He got lucky that he was friends with Tom Brady. It was kind of just drug along on that Bucks team to a Super Bowl win. Like the like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't, I've never been in that mindset where like I'm more important than every single person here. You know, I just don't understand that, and that that's just always been a. Then that bugs me uh, about certain just NFL players and Stephon Diggs. He did it with Minnesota. He's doing it with here in um, Buffalo, and I just think that's going to. You want to see if that ends up creating a diversion, especially after a loss like this. How that ends up creating a diversion um, through a team, or if they're able to be like, you know, let's reconcile. We need to get on the same page here. We have the same goal. We'll see how that works out. But I, well, I don't know. I'm. I'm kind of like what I was just saying. I was more so like speculating on like if it does go bad, if Diggs wants out after this game or is like pressing to get a trade after this game. So that was like worst case scenario what I was saying. But it's just one of those things where like I'm very interested to see what happens with that Diggs saga now that this loss happened and the way it happened. Uh, Josh Allen just didn't have a good game. Uh, it was just terrible. It was just, it was like, it was one of those things where you're just like, this is him forcing stuff, him trying to make a statement opening day, and all he's doing is hurting his team. So that that's what that was. And that's what I, that, to me, that's what I've seen, is him trying to make a statement day one, like, oh, this Jets team is so hyped up. What's in that hype now? And he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing the ball. And they turned the ball over. 
he end up turning the ball over, end up costing his team and taking points away from his team on top of that. Like this could have been a double digit win or a uh, two score, three score win for the Bills. Instead, it's a loss in overtime. So, um, and then I want to give credit where credit's due. The rushing attack for the Jets, 172 yards, 6.1 yards a carry. What an incredible day from the run game. Brees Hall had some incredible runs. Dalvin Cook was very steady. Michael Carter even got in there and made some plays. What a great unit, running game unit. That They set up a lot of stuff, and they're going to set up and continue to set up a lot of stuff for Zach Wilson, especially if this is a Achilles tear for Aaron Rodgers. Having a run game like that, and that's why you've seen the Jets be so good early on last year before Brees Hall's injury. It's because the run game was going, it was working, and it was making life easier for Zach Wilson. And for them to have the trio that they do at running back, it just creates so much and it eases so much pressure off of Zach Wilson. And if they're all healthy, Zach Wilson's going to play better this year. They're going to be a playoff team. We'll see if they'll end up winning the division or not. We'll see how the Bills kind of bounce back and uh, see how the Dolphins do through, uh, <coughs> the rest of the year. But all in all, what a you know great win by the Jets. What a team win. What a defensive win. I love seeing the defenses shine. I'm a defensive guy. I love seeing them shine. So I love seeing uh, defenses come together. And we're seeing dominant defensive performances each and every single week. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun watching this Jets team and watching that Jets defense for sure, and all of that. But I just want to say thank you all for you know listening. Make sure to like, share, you know, and comment. You know, let me know how I can make it more enjoyable and make it more appealing, you know, to y'all. And yeah, I will be back with the predictions or the Thursday night or not predictions, but I will be back for, with predictions. I'll be on Friday, but I will be back with Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night, the Thursday night preview on Thursday morning. So that will come out Thursday morning. I'll record it Wednesday night. It'll be up Thursday morning for y'all. So make sure to get that. And also I'll have a recap after the game. And that will obviously lead into the predictions. So it'll be Thursday night recap predictions in one podcast. That'll be out on Friday. It'll be the Thursday night preview on Thursday. So make sure to look out for that, uh, as well. So I appreciate y'all. And I will see y'all in the next episode.